This is the Your Church Friends Podcast, and we are back with Season 2. Join us as we sit down with some of our church friends to discuss these topics and more. What is worship? Can I trust God? How should I study my Bible? And popular Christian catchphrases. It's Season 2 of the Your Church Friends Podcast. Our church friends. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris, and today I am joined with Atlas and Shannon Hilaire. Atlas, you've been on the show before already. We talked about marriage, right? Yes, yes. Now we brought your wonderful wife in with us, and now we're going to talk about parenting. So I kind of figured you guys are the experts in both of them. You do run the Ignite (laughs) Marriage Couples Ministry here at the church. And by experts, I don't mean you guys are like great at it. I'm just saying like seasoned veterans. All right. right, you're giving us way too much credit. <laughs> Thank you. But definitely season five girls, ages 24 down to six. So we have them all across the board, college, middle school, and elementary school. And you know, that's, it's really one of the reasons why when me and Murdoch were talking about who can we get for this topic, why I thought of you guys, because... There's you, a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, you run the whole gauntlet of age groups right now, like college. One yeah. of your daughters is engaged, right? Yes. And yes. then you have a first grader, so it's yes, and everything in between. And everything in between. And yeah. then there's uh, Jordan, who was on the show recently, and we got into uh, how to study your Bible. That was fun. Uh, she is she is great when it comes to uh-huh. stuff like that. Oh, so thanks for having her. Now it's your guys' turn. So now I've had almost all of you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah, we'll get the other ones on later. Um, so. <laughs> Parenting, what's one thing, and with grace, what's one thing that the other spouse does in their parenting that drives you nuts? That drives us nuts. <laughs> so, like, what's one thing Shannon does as a parent that you're like, mm, Were you I at wish our you... house last night? <laughs> 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 what? I-, I would have to say that Shannon is very energetic, enthusiastic, and I'm more the mellow type. So I tend to handle discipline or anything with the kids. I I tend to be on the more mellow side. And sometimes when Shannon gets excited and upset, it's not the parenting style that I would do. So naturally, it makes me tense up. But with that being said, when she handles discipline or when she's parenting, I kind of kick back until we can have a one-on-one. I will never in front of the kids while she's disciplining or doing her thing. I will never jump in unless it's just something really extreme or dangerous or or something. You know what I'm saying? Other than that, I I feel like she's not killing the kids. Nobody's in danger. (laughs) No blood. So so my my two cents and my my criticism can wait until an appropriate time to have a conversation with just Shannon and me. Uh, Other than that, I I don't... I mean, just your question just threw me for a loop because... Mm. (laughs) As far as parenting is concerned, I think Shannon does a great job at parenting. She probably has a list of things that she doesn't like about my parenting style, but she she does really, really well with the kids. He said pick one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have a list, but he ex- he, he described it um, perfectly. Like I, I often tell people when they see us with our crew, like he is the quiet before the storm. And I'm a bit of the storm. I also think it has a lot to do with the dynamics in our house. Atlas is really laid back. I think that's the thing that drives me crazy. Like he said, because I'm not wired that way. But, you know, when you're at home with five girls, 
that's a lot of girls. So I just think girls overall tend to be more vocal and verbal and lippy. And so that's why you get what you get. And I think I have to kind of take command of the crew. So yeah, I can't be really quiet. And and yeah, I can't be really quiet a lot. So I, I have to use my big voice, my outdoor voice sometimes inside. And it's very different from how Atlas parents, for sure. I only ask because me and Justine go through that same thing. <laughs> and it's almost like it, the, you, it's more instead of uh, Justine Shannon, I'm Shannon and, and Justine's Atlas, where it's like, Justine will handle things calmly for the most part. But I'm like, oh, no, you, you pushed me. <laughs> That's it. Everything's coming out. And yeah, I'm, I'm more of a louder. No, Justine's loud when she talks, but I'm just more emotional and, and stuff like that when it comes to expressing it but we had that conversation like two days ago and, and we had to talk about stuff like that like yeah don't correct me in front of the kids because that's not going to help that just pushes me more towards that extreme just wait till the dust is settled so i hope she listens <laughs> <laughs> she listens to this one all right first question then for you guys as we get rolling into this what's the main goal of a christian parent you want to go first uh sure i'll go first I've had this conversation with several people like you would think there's a ton of like a list of things that should be on your goal list for your kids. But honestly, for me, it's just making sure that they know who Jesus is. You know, I taught for several years and I actually had one of my well, two of my daughters were in my class. And so I used to have to tell them I'd pull them aside when I saw school getting the best of them and say, you know, you're still going to get to heaven. As long as you accept Jesus in your heart, you're still going to get to heaven with an F. Like, it's okay. Like, to let them know the things of this world are of this world, but eternal life is like, that's your goal. When it's all said and done, that's your goal. So it's hard to believe as parents that Jesus loves our kids more than we do, but he does. And so my goal is to point them to his direction, because truly we're not going to be here forever and they need to know Jesus for their self. I tell them you can't get to heaven on my coattail and I, I'm probably going to be hanging on by a thread. So you, you want to know, you want to know Jesus for yourself. So for me, for my girls, that's the ultimate goal is for me to introduce, to show them, to guide them and to point them to Jesus. I like that. Yeah. I think that's a, a great answer. And, and being a parent, I, I try to, lead by example. I want my, Shannon has a saying, and I, I love the saying, she says, when you go out, be a, a blessing, not a burden. And I remember growing up, every time we got ready to leave the house, my parents had the saying, don't mess up my name. And so my thing is, with my kids, I want them to be able, even when I'm not there, to be well-behaved, to be well-mannered, to be, to be respectful, to be courteous, to be all those things that that everybody wants someone to be. In my parenting, I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I do quite a few things wrong. I even sometimes come back to my kids and I'm like, Daddy, sorry, I, I didn't handle that the best way. But I think that our kids know, not just our kids, but I think kids know the intent of your heart if you're consistent and you treat them respectfully. So my main goal is for them to grow up and be respectful human beings. And I think that the Christ thing is number one. It's overall the number one goal. But I also feel that if you're not 
if you're not showing that Christ-like behavior or if you're not doing what you're saying, then it's all for naught because kids pick up so quickly. Yeah, dad told me I can't have dessert before dinner, but he's over there eating a whole bag of cookies. Or And my kids bust me out all the time. <laughs> I, I try to sneak around and do stuff. And right in front, they'll wait until we're all together. They'll see me do it one-on-one. Then they wait until Shannon is there. And I, yeah, daddy tried to go and do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> so I think the goal is to raise them in a way where they're going to grow up to be Christ-like kids. But I have to focus on myself first before I worry about what they're going to do. And I think that parents make that mistake often. If I hit them hard with X, Y, and Z, then this is going to make them be that, not realizing that more so than the discipline or more so than the rules you're putting in place, they're watching how you act. Every time. Yeah. I always say character is who you are when nobody is looking. So I tell my girls, if it doesn't matter, like, I don't want to hear the right answer. You know, if you'll lie when I'm not around, if you'll lie, that like, then it makes you a liar. If you'll, if you'll take it when you think nobody's looking, it still makes you the thief. Like, character is who you are when nobody is looking. So yeah, definitely, they have to be able to be Christ-like. They have to be able to carry that out. And I want them to like, want that. I don't want them to want that because they think that's what we want. You know, I, I want that to be. I always like pray like God capture their heart like mm. the same way that you did for us so that it's real to them because truly nothing is promised you know anything could happen to either one of us Atlas or I and they have to be able to pick up the pieces and move on and know that Jesus does love them even more than we ever could so it it has to be something that supersedes like the tangible the mom the dad you know it's it's really definitely a spiritual connection And I wanted to piggyback a little bit off of what you're saying because, and I'm cheating on your question, I'm giving multiple (laughs) goals. I want them to be Christ-like, but also to have common sense or to be able to maneuver through this world and not just be so brainwashed by, this is what the Bible says, this is what this verse says, and this is, what good is it to know all of these scriptures and you don't even know how to handle a transaction at the store, or you don't know how to deal with something when, when... you're being bullied at school or different things like that. I want them to be able to have real world experience and knowledge as well as understand that I need Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. So it's, I don't want my kids to be those odd kids that they know all of the scriptures, but they can't sit in a social setting and be normal, quote unquote normal. And I also don't want my kids to be these these bratty kids that, that have no idea this is what the Bible says and they're just causing chaos. So I want my kids to be well-balanced mm-hmm. and to know Christ and to be able to live a normal life so that people can relate to them, people can approach them. And it's not awkward and weird because they're these super holy spiritual people <laughs> that nobody can approach. Like that, That's not... The goal, I don't think. No, that's not who Jesus was. I tell the girls, be Jesus with skin on, you know? It doesn't mean you get to walk on water, but just do you. Be who God created you to be and integrate, like, your Jesus in everything that you do, you know? It makes sense in everything that you do. You see somebody, pray for them. Somebody asks for prayer, pray for them. You see a situation, like, work it out. Use the scripture that you've learned, like use God's word as as instructions 
to figure something out so that you do have more than common sense. But yeah, I get what you're saying. It's you could say what you want for your kids like a million times over and the list would get longer and longer. But I just want to point them towards God. I did think it was funny (laughs) that when you said the odd kid, (laughs) she just lost it. Like no one else. That's the beauty of like podcasting. No one else gets to see it, but she lost it. Growing up, like I grew up in a Christian household. My parents got saved when I was one. So for me, I didn't know anything other than being Christian. Like that, that was it. In third grade, they asked me what ethnicity I was. And I was like, Christian. Oh, and they're like, no, that's a religion. Oh, what, what, what are you? And I was that's like, a t-shirt. Yeah, I, like, I have no <laughs> oh, idea. I love that. I didn't even know I was a Hispanic until I got older. Oh. And I just thought tacos was something everyone ate. In Southern California, it is something that everyone eats. You're right. Uh-huh. So it wasn't odd for me to pick up on these things. But I had this kid. And, and as I got older, I had this kid, maybe like in the fifth grade, who bullied me a lot. And it was weird for me because I tentatively was the bully in the situation. You know, even being a small guy, I think I compensated by being like a small, mouthy little jerk. And it was weird. I didn't know how to handle this. And one day I, I told my dad about it and he said, just tell him I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and so I'm like, OK, so the guy starts doing it. And I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And they started laughing at me. Why? I was the odd kid you were talking about. Uh, like that made me think of that uh, whole moment. I uh, felt that experience, everything you were saying. I felt that, but I really like what you guys are saying, that there, there's the balance. And right. it's something that I and, and Justine, we aim for. One thing that I really started trying to lock in, it was something that I captured about a year ago, was do I discipline my children or do I disciple my children? Mm. And a year ago, it was just a thought. I read a book and it was talking about discipleship. And I was like, this is this is how we should teach our children. Like, I shouldn't be always scolding or doing what I'm doing. Like. If I'm not teaching them why they're in trouble or why this is wrong, then there's no purpose in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So then I did the the Psalms 23 thing a few months ago now and in service. And that just opened my eyes. When I got to that part of the rod, like mm-hmm. the rod guides, it comforts, it leads, it directs. Then I correlate, and we'll get to this in a bit with the Proverbs, but, you know, tying those two together of like spare the rod, spoil the child. It wasn't, it's talking about like, disciple raise up guide lead towards christ and that's been that that i'm glad you brought that up because that's been one of my main goals is is i want my kids to be more like christ and i love that you said i it's something that i want to talk to them more about now is that god loves them more than i do and if i could express and i think the beauty of then it goes back to what you're saying atlas of if we can be the example if i can be the example of love to them and they're like, my dad loves me this much, but he's saying God loves me more. Mm-hmm. I'm in good hands. And I really like both of those because I think they tie in together. Love God, but we have to model it as parents and, and, and integrating Jesus in you. And every time I see Shannon, she's got like a Jesus shirt on. It seems <laughs> like it's like God is dope or the hallelujah one you're wearing now. And that's integrating Jesus into who we are. You guys want to add anything before I get to the next one? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. So the next one then is how do you help guide your children to being like Christ? So I think we kind of touched on it, but if you guys want to go a little deeper. Okay. So I was going to say one of the ways that I think you do a really good job of guiding all of us is there's been several times because we've had to do a couple of resets, but Atlas really does grab us all. And he's made one night during the week that is like our prayer and devotion time. And it doesn't matter what you're doing, what your work shift is or whatever. 
we tell them you have to make it a priority. So sometimes there's nothing that they can do. You know, our older girls, like the older three, they all work now. That's crazy. They all work. Uh, They all work. And so if somebody's missing, the show goes on. You know, we'll say, text us, call in your prayer. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like the show goes on. But we really have made that a priority. And that's something that he started. I really appreciate it. Sometimes on Tuesday, because we pray on Wednesday, I can't I can't even wait till Wednesday because I have so much to say, you know? It's also kind of a time we kind of do like family meeting, you know? So that's been really good. But I know that that's the way that we have tried to grab everybody and make it like a real life thing, you know? Like we really can sit down, connect with each other, talk about our day, talk about some praise reports, what's going in on your, you know, what's going on in your life. Our youngest one, without fail, it's Wednesday, and she will tell everybody, do not forget, there's prayer, or when her older sister is walking out, don't forget, I know you have to work, there's prayer, and she does the request. So I'm doing request, we all know Tatum. So I don't know, I think that's kind of cool, because it just, it makes us stop and focus. It's another day outside of Sunday, or any other day that we worship, we're on our own um, as a family, like it's just us to you know, to just kind of stop and take a pause in the middle of the week and just give God thanks, you know, and come together as a family. And the six-year-old always wants to pray. (laughs) (laughs) And she always gets to pray. (laughs) Even though sometimes she's long-winded. Oh, wow. I was like thinking that's a good thing, right? Because then it'll be shorter I'll never tell her not to pray. (laughs) Right, right, right. I also think being authentic is a big part of that, not trying to hide our flaws. So, when we make mistakes or when we do things and our kids point them out, it's not a matter of defending. And I'm the parent. You can't say that to me. It's more so, yeah, I made a mistake and and I'm working on that. Or how can we make the situation work better? Shannon was talking about a family meeting and a couple resets. And one of our daughters, we just had some really big issues. So we had to just sit down and talk as a family and, and air it out and say, hey, everybody gets a chance to talk. And this person said, this is how I feel. This is how I feel. This is how I feel. And so, again, I, I think even that meeting brought some peace to our house because there was a lot of tension. And so just being real, being authentic and, and letting our girls know that, yeah, we're trying to live this Christian life and we make mistakes. But at the same time, I'm trying to be that person that, that Jesus wants me to be. And when it's appropriate, we talk scripture. When it's appropriate, we throw in prayer. And it's not always just that Bible thumping, well, the Bible says, and I remember growing up like that, where people were so quick, well, Philippians 87, 22, there's not even a Philippians 87, but people always quick to throw a scripture at you like, yeah, I know better than you. I I, I felt blessed. We don't take that approach with our kids unless it really warrants it. Some things it's like, hey, I've lived this life and I'm telling you this because I know how this happens. I I know how this is going to end and it. It doesn't end end well. But other than that, there's a real relaxed atmosphere in our home. And it's not like I have to be this perfect Christian kid or else my parents are going to disown me or my parents are going to ream me if I don't do X, Y, and Z. Shannon mentioned that when we're talking to our kids and they make mistakes, we always tell them, like, don't give me the answer that you think I want to hear. Like, if I ask you, why did you do that? Or or what are you planning to do? Don't tell us uh-huh. what you think is a, a scripted <laughs> biblical answer. Like, 
I want to go hang out with my kids and, and stay out after curfew and, and do things that are not right. If that's what's on your mind, then let's have the conversation. Let's talk about it. But don't sit here and tell me something that you don't genuinely feel because it's going to eventually come out mm-hmm. and we're going to have to have that conversation. So I think authenticity gives our, our daughters, gives them that okay to know that, hey, even though I am Christian, I'm going to make mistakes. But having that freedom lets me know that I can continue to to strive to be like Christ as opposed to being fake and phony and, and being something that I'm really not. I like that. I like both those answers. They're really good. We tried implementing Sabbath, like taking a small time where we do yeah. nothing, turning that off. That didn't last didn't long. Um, <laughs> but I, I do like hearing this because as I guess we're younger parents, or you know, Remy's eight, going to be nine soon. So we're still young in that game of parenting. And, and, you know, I grew up, my parents, yeah, Christian home. My dad, it was like summertime. You better read one book of the or one chapter of First Corinthians mm-hmm. and then write your favorite verse down. And I'm like, I don't even know how to read yet. And he's like, <laughs> we have, a, and I'm gonna age myself. We have audio tape and listen to an audio tape yeah. and then have your brother or sister help you. And so we did that stuff, and it, it did. At some point, it was kind of a, it missed kind of like the why behind it. Yeah, it you got to be able to apply it. Right? Yeah, it just felt like it was forced, and there was nothing in it. But I do like the sit down together. Let's sit down and do something together that represents a devotional or just praying together because how else are they going to see Christ if it's not through us as parents doing something that imitated what he did? And the authenticity was a big thing. That, that's the one thing that I try my hardest to be because my parents were authentic. They were going to church, but yeah, they... They got issues. They still got issues. We all do. <laughs> yeah. And the being able to say sorry, uh, that's huge. I had a moment with the kids where the other day where I, I was just at my boiling point. I was irritated. And Justine was kind of in and out that day. So she didn't catch everything that was going on. And then Reed did. Oh, he, he was swinging on the curtains and broke the. He didn't break it completely, but he mm. messed up one of the curtains. It kind of tilted. And I was just. I tell him all the time, stop playing with the curtains, stop pulling them, stop spinning them. And I just, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh-huh. And I, I gave him a good yelling and Justine just was afterwards like, no, that was too far. So I went and took a shower. This is all before, this was last Wednesday. I had to speak and belong. <laughs> this is before I had to preach. And I'm it's like, when it always happens. Right. And I'm like, now I'm like, I don't even feel like preaching. I, don't, I can't, I can't preach. I look at what I did. I'm a horrible person and father. So I knew if I left that house, which I have done before, feeling that way, I was going to suck. And everyone sitting there listening was going to get the worst of it. Mm-hmm. So I sucked up the pride that yeah. was preventing me and shame, preventing me to go say sorry. And I went there and I said sorry to Reed. I said sorry to Remy. I said sorry to Justine. I let them know, hey, I just, I didn't sleep good last night. I'm not, I just messed up. You know, no excuses. Daddy was a jerk. And I'm sorry for all that. And I hope that one day that they look back at that, like you guys are saying, the authenticity and say like, hey, we can be not perfect and it's okay. And we could always, because that's what God wants us to do. We could always come back and say, I'm sorry and Mm -hmm. keep moving on and being like Christ. It's funny because that was a point in one of my, in the message that I was Uh speaking on. And I was like, so I had to, and even when I got here and and for belong, I was just like, you know, this happened to me today and Mm -hmm. I'm going to be real because authenticity is the key to it. If it's, if it's the key to getting other people to believe in Christ, 
how much more than our children to seem right. authentic parents. Right. Mm-hmm. And aren't kids so cool? Like, I know when I have the biggest <laughs> blowouts or go off on them, I can come back, especially my little, you know, like she's just like, it's okay. Like, they're just so forgiving that it makes you feel even worse. And I'm like, oh, baby, I am so sorry, you know. Oh, it's okay. They're just like, and they go about their business, you know. They they go on their way. So that in itself is always a lesson for me, too. Mm-hmm. Like, just how easy they forgive and sweep it off their shoulder and go on. You know, I, I tend to harbor on things, you know, like, hold on to that. But they're just like, oh, we're good, you know. And, hey, Ma, you want to hear a joke? You want? And I'm like, oh, you're talking to me? <laughs> you know, like I was just a huge jerk to you. So I get that. Yeah. And it's such a good model because they, they for me, the one thing I want them to do when with I'm sorry and forgive me is to know that forgiveness is once it's I'm sorry and I forgive you, it's complete. Right. Because that's what Jesus did for exactly. us. It's complete. And like I know growing up, like, man, if I did something oh, man, my dad chewed me out on it. I didn't want to go near the dude because I knew he was still a little frustrated, even though I was like, I'm sorry. And I try not to do that to the kids. Like when yeah. they say, like, Reed, he smacked me in the face yesterday. We're having a great moment. And we're eating these little mini bunk cakes, me, mm-hmm. him, and Remy. And we're enjoying it. And then I gave Remy the last bite. And he was like, Remy. And so I grabbed some before she finished it and put it in his mouth quickly. Well, I guess he didn't like it. And he, like, smacked me in the face. Uh-huh. And I was like, dude, Why? Why ruin this moment? So I got a little hot at him, disciplined him, put him, said, go to your room, you know, just lay there, think about it. Came back out and he was like, I'm sorry, daddy. So I hugged him and I said, it's okay, I forgive you. Because I I think it's important that we see that, that forgiveness has to be complete. Mm-hmm. Like listening even to what you're saying and listening to how Shannon's talking about disciplining the kids, I, I think it's very important to pick and choose when it's going to mm-hmm. be that harsh discipline and when it's going to be hey we need to sit down and talk and we don't always get it right Mm -hmm. sometimes it's a hit or miss but i I think when the kids see that every time i make a mistake i'm not going to get bashed or my my parents see this struggle that i'm going through and they they can empathize with me sometimes sitting down with the kid and, and and talking with them and saying but what's going on like why would even in a calm voice why would you do that or the reason why I ask you not to do that is because these are the consequences that, that can come from that. I think having those moments helps our kids to to grow up and to mature as well and not always being afraid to, number one, make a mistake. But then after I make that mistake, like, oh, man, how am I going to cover this up? And then it leads to that whole deceptive and, and being sneaky and, 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 and shameful and all of those types of things. I remember growing up, my folks weren't very affectionate and very touchy-feely or anything like that. And so I just was always afraid to get in trouble, period, at all costs. Whether I was doing something wrong or not, I was going to find a way for somebody not to contact my parents. (laughs) Because I knew if my parents were contacted, I can't even imagine the consequences. And not to say that my parents were horrible parents, but... I just was that afraid of being in trouble. I don't want my kids to be afraid of me. I want them to have a reverential fear and a respect. I don't want them to be afraid of me. We, we laugh because Jordan, I'll call out Jordan. Jordan Ooh. has no shame. Actually, all of our kids, they have no shame with 
being in our room. We were little. Yeah. Our parents' room was like sacred. Sacred. You didn't go in there <laughs> unless our parents invited us. And I can tell that my kids are comfortable because they're yes. always in, in our, our room, room when they have everything that they need in their own bathroom, in their room. But I'd rather have that than my, my kids being afraid of me and not wanting to come to me, which this may come up a little bit later. I would say one of the issues that I have with my own parenting style is it's come up lately that my my kids feel that sometimes like I'm not the most approachable person. And that's something that I feel like I need to work work on a little bit more. But I don't want my, my kids to be afraid of me. I don't want my kids to say, well, I didn't come to you because I was afraid of what you were going to say or how you're going to react. I love this. Uh, we're going to take a small break and then do our little commercial stuff that we like to do. But I really love the what I'm hearing is more of the, I'm a parent, but I'm constantly learning how to be a parent. I, I told this Justine, there's no rule book for this. There's no like mm-hmm. guideline. There's nothing. You just kind of figure it out on the fly, right? And as the children change, because mm-hmm. they do, and you personalities change. change. Yeah, you change. And as you as a couple change, the individuals change, we then change how we, mm-hmm. we, we respond to everything. So I just love, and I think it's something that could be encouraging to people who may find it difficult that like, it's an evolution. It's a change. It's constantly working on something. It's just like our relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. It's constant growing. And as parents, we can constantly change and then feel free to be able to go up to our kids and say, that's how I was. This is how I am. Right. And, and show them that. So we'll take that break and then we'll get into the next few questions. This episode of Your Church Friends is brought to you by The Parenting Countdown. One, you better do what I say. Two, you better hurry up. 2.5, I'm getting upset. Three, you're in trouble now. The Parenting Countdown, helping parents discipline their children in modern times. Everybody, I'm Casey. I'm Remy. And I'm Reed. We really appreciate you listening to our dad's podcast. If you can leave a review on what you like about the show. Or leave a five-star rating. Also check out their website. It's, it's, Remy, what is it? Hmm, it's on the tip of my tongue. What is it? Yourchurchfriends.rocks Oh yeah, that's it. On the website, you can listen to our past episodes. Join the Facebook group page. And more. Now back to the show. All right, we are back here talking about being a parent today in this society, right? Like, (laughs) how does that work? Uh, But we ended off with uh, the authenticity and everything. So I'm going to jump into the next question. And again, this is why I really... Uh, and you had mentioned a little bit, Shannon, during the break, why we really thought you guys were great for this conversation was because of the age range of your children and that, that what did you say you have? Oh, I, I tell people we have our littles, we have our biggles, and one in the middle. Yeah, so you guys <laughs> have the whole range of it. I've got my under 10 group that I'm dealing with. Uh, so how has parenting changed from when you first started to now? Totally uh, different. Go ahead. I would say for me... Just going off of what I learned as a kid, because my parents were no nonsense. We had fun and laughed and giggled and everything. But when it came to you made a mistake, it was hardcore and discipline was coming. 
And when we first started off as parents, I was like that with Imani. And then I started feeling like that's not necessary because Imani doesn't respond the way that my brothers and sisters and I responded. And like like I said, we grew up in a, a really, really rough time, rough neighborhood. So some of that was probably necessary in order for us to be able to handle when we left the house. But with Imani, she didn't she didn't need that. And I remember Shannon often telling me, like, you need to be softer with Imani, because I was really standoffish, not very affectionate. And Imani would come and sit in my lap, and I would just feel uncomfortable, like, I don't ever want her to feel violated or anything. And Shannon was like, that's your daughter, so you need to be affectionate with her. So from Imani to now Tatum... (laughs) It's as just, meaning <laughs> it's just so relaxed and you can tell because the thing you can hear our daughters talking now man tatum gets away with so much stuff that yeah. we didn't get away is with. it relaxed or are we tired right <laughs> it, it, it's like those it's like that commercial where the baby the, the the couple has the baby and drops the the pacifier and they're washing the pacifier and they're freaking out because they have to give this pacifier back to the baby then when they had other babies the pacifier drops they just pick it up lick it off and give it back to the baby (laughs) i feel that that's been been me through this journey like i've i've changed i've relaxed a lot because once you have kids you know how this goes like you know they're going to go through these certain stages you know how to change diapers you know when first grade rolls around they're going to have anxiety and so it's helped me to relax and enjoy it and I, i tell people all the time when they have kids enjoy it like right now you're not getting any sleep and the baby is crying and all of these horrible things that you feel like you hate life right now, enjoy it all because there's going to be a day when they're grown and you're not going to be able to... And you to, still don't sleep. But you're not going to be able to lick your finger and wipe the crust out of their eyes or the things you did when they were little mm. because now they're adults and they want to be treated like adults. And so I think being able to relax in that sense has helped me to still see them as my my little kids like it's hard for me to think that imani is engaged now about to be married next year i'm like dare she am i okay with that like that's my daughter yeah are you okay with that (laughs) i'm okay with it still working through that right right right. i'm trying to figure out like am i okay with it am i not okay with it but it's growing up and maturing as a parent has helped me to again pick and choose my battle it's helped me to be able to like, am I going to go off on this or how do I recuperate from this big blow up that I've had with my kid for doing something that's made me angry? I just feel more seasoned and, and it, I don't get as frazzled because I feel like my experience has led me to a point where I'm okay and it's not the end of the world and they're going to be all right. If, if Tatum falls and scratches her elbow, it's like, ah, get up, you'll be all right. Don't baby her because it's going to make her cry more, that type of thing. It's a huge change. I mean, I was a really young mom. Our second oldest daughter is 21. Jordan is 21. And I was 21 when I had her sister, Imani. So for me, it's it's different. I feel like I grew up with those girls. You know, Mm. I tell Imani all the time, like, she was my best friend. You know, it was wherever I went, she was right there with me in tow because I had her so young. It changes because, of course, like we said earlier, you change. And so, yeah, some of the things like what Atlas said, you don't get as frazzled. You're, you have a little more poise. You're, you're calm. But with every kid, honestly, for me, it was different. Tatum was our last. 
in the beginning, we weren't really sure if it was, you know, boy or girl. I mean, it really didn't matter. Ten fingers, ten toes, I'm good. Let's roll with it. But when we added her to our bunch, it was honestly very humbling. Tatum should have come first. (laughs) She made me feel like a first-time mom all over again. So, of course, the way I parent her, it has been totally different. I mean, I thought I was just going to be able to put her in the car seat and we were going to keep on rolling. But it was not that, you know, we had like some medical issues. We just had some huge challenges, like the first three years of her life. And so the tricks that worked with one and two, maybe it didn't work with number five, you know, the way I would care for number three, you know, it doesn't always work for number four. Like, I feel like God gives you what you need, like in that season. And I definitely... I got moated, I tell people, (laughs) with Tatum because I think I was feeling like I was at the top of my game, sort of speak, and she was a piece of humble pie. She was the kid that, yeah, she would cry in the grocery store and fall out, or yeah, I had had enough by the end of the day, and I just couldn't push myself to like meet up with my friends for coffee. I had to learn to just gracefully say, I got to take a pass. I couldn't do everything with her. And so it was very humbling and it got my attention and God put me in a place where I really, really had to rely on him. So I definitely know in looking over, you know, being a mom for those five girls, it has definitely changed um, over the years. Do you get a little better at it? I don't know. It just gets different, you know? And also this world is not anywhere like it was. It's not the same as when we had our oldest daughter that's, you know, going to be 25. That's like 25 years ago. That's that's crazy. And how it is for Tatum now. And to think that, you know, our youngest, she's in the midst of this pandemic, you know, that Mm. we've gone through and COVID and all of that. I remember the big thing with one of our older daughters, I remember like 9-11 and I remember getting ready and going to teach and having her in tow and watching the news and all of those things. I can think of things over the years that have happened with each one of them. So parent tra- uh, strategies have definitely changed for sure because I for sure have changed. I've had to. I've had to to keep up with them. But piggybacking off of that, even though strategies may change, the standards have remained the same. Right. And I was going to say that like with Imani, it was different than a little bit than what it was with Jordan and Trinity and then Addison and then Tatum. <laughs> and I think that consistency, like holding the same standard, like you're not going to make us look bad. There are just certain things that are not going to happen in the Hilaire household. I think those things have enabled us to have like many parents because the girls know this is mm-hmm. the standard. This is how it goes. So they're able to chime in with their younger sister mm. and they become like little mini parents. Right. Hey, Tatum, you can't do that because, you know, mom and dad said X, Y and Z. And I think consistency is critical and you can't if you're consistent. It doesn't show favoritism. It doesn't show anything where the girls can say, well, you did this for them and you, you're you not doing that for me because they all know this is how we get down. I don't care if you're 24 <laughs> or if you're six. It's not good for you. It's not good for right. you. Right. This is the curfew. And if oh, you yeah. want to have a different curfew, <laughs> then you need to be out in your own home. You need to have your own mortgage and, and bills and utilities and X, <laughs> Y, and Z. But if you're coming home to our house, this is the rule. And I feel that also consistency has made it to where we don't have to be tyrants. We don't have to every day 
be yelling at the kids because they all keep each other in check. Yeah, they this, really do. Yeah, this yeah. is what I said. This is what I meant. This is we all know happen. that this is the rule. Yeah, so, it's non-negotiable. Yeah. Like many parents, for sure. Um, our oldest daughter, <laughs> her nickname is E. Well, her name is Imani, but her nickname is Imami because she <laughs> is like the second mommy. And it's just funny how you see them kind of pick up where you leave off and you go. I remember having Tatum. It was really different than like when I had the daughter before. We kind of had like our birthing plan in place but truly like you're grabbing at straws who's gonna help you out you know like can you come and watch the sun or do we have to split them all up and it was really a beautiful thing when I think back we didn't need anybody (laughs) um, outside necessarily to come in and like sit with our kids or do anything like that because they knew they really knew how to run the ship and um, we had a driver in the house we had you know so we had somebody that could cook we had some they were kind of one little tiny unit and it worked really really well so yeah piggybacking off of what you're saying consistency is definitely like the key and they know if it's good for number one it's good for number three it's good for number five like that's just how it is and so they all tend to keep each other in check the standard thing is is probably the thing i like the most you know because i think we all have each kid is different and and yeah when you have five i guess you could see the big difference in each (laughs) one right Mm -hmm. Uh, with two you know yeah they're very similar but there are differences Mm -hmm. remy is a lot like me not too social Reed is a lot like Justine. He, he, I'm afraid this dude's gonna get taken one day. He just talks to everyone and anything, and, and he Great loves it. Yes, yeah. he loves yeah. it, and everyone loves Reed. But you know, Remy is more like me, and I can see those subtle differences. And yeah, parenting each of them has to be different. And when you think about God, like God doesn't right. parent me the same way He parents the two of you. Right. Like uh-huh. we all get taught lessons differently through different circumstances. So I think as parents, yeah, we learn to you know that this didn't work for that game plan didn't Mm -hmm. work for that one Mm -hmm. okay what's the next game plan right for for them like when it comes to like disciplining remy and reed like if i take something away from remy it hurts her Mm -hmm. like it hurts her pretty good if i take something away from reed (laughs) you know like whatever i got something else like it, it doesn't work it doesn't play making him sit in his room and not move that's what does it to him because he doesn't and now we've even worked the thing we're like okay do chores around the house mm-hmm. like you're you act up you're cleaning uh-huh. like everything and and that hurts him too remy not so much because she's kind of like a clean person <laughs> but she she got out of line with justine about a month ago and she loves saturday is youtube day for them we let them watch youtube one day a week uh-huh. because other than that it's right. it's garbage most of the time and then we <laughs> We limit what they actually get to watch. watch. Like I restrict things if I'm hearing something and I'm like, no, that's not good. She cherishes her YouTube day. <laughs> she mouthed off to Justine. I came home from Belong and, and her or something from church and I heard about it. And I was just like, no, that's enough. So no YouTube. And mm-hmm. I think it was from May to June. Oh, wow. Like, I went serious with this. It was like what you're saying. You know when to, like, drop the yeah. hammer when yeah. not to. And I was just like, boom, because this has got to stop. And that hurt her. Like, it hurt her enough to understand I did something wrong and I mm-hmm. need to correct this a- action. So I think that, yeah, it, it does change in knowing how to parent one and parent the other and not trying to run the same play and formula. Speaking of bad parenting, uh, the new Justice League, not new, but the redone mm-hmm. one with mm-hmm. Zack Snyder, 
it, it came on HBO Max, and I'm sitting there like the kids are outside. We bought a rope swing for them. They love it. They're out there uh-huh. swinging away on that thing. Justine's gone doing whatever. I'm like, <laughs> peace, right? I'm sitting in my living room finally at peace, and I put it on. 15 minutes into it, and, and it's, yeah, it's a good movie. You know, I don't see much wrong with it. It's superheroes. 15 minutes into it, the kids come, and they're like, what are you watching? I was like, oh, it's, it's superheroes. They're like, yes, they sit down. We watched two hours of this four-hour movie, and it was a little gory. It, you know, a few cuss words here and there, but I grew up watching Nightmare on Elm Street, so I'm not thinking much of it, right? Uh-huh. That was like family entertainment night. Freddy was like Freddy Cougar. <laughs> and... And then we, we went to pick it up the next day. Justine went out to go get dinner. So I was like, all right, let's watch something until mom gets home. They're like, we want to finish watching it. So I put it on. And as I'm looking at it, finally actually looking at the screen, it says rated R next to it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I Epic have, fell. Yeah. And I was like, but they saw half of it. Might as well finish. <laughs> Roll tape. Might as well finish the movie. But I told Justine, I was like, I can't believe, like, I let my kids watch a rated R movie. But it, it, it was seeing that it, it was just for the violence. It wasn't. Uh-huh, it's uh-huh. like aliens getting their heads cut off. Right. That's, that's an everyday thing in our house anyway. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah, it is It is difficult parenting and, and knowing the balance of it all, yeah. where to judge, where to, when to drop the hammer, when to do this, when to mm-hmm. do that. Even getting to the next question, and you kind of brought it up, how do we as parents monitor our children but also give them distance to, to learn and to fail? You guys, because you guys got older kids. I'm still monitoring them like crazy. It's scary. And yeah. I have to say that... It's not easy. Even though we give the appearance of letting them do their thing, and we, and we do, but we still have that fear that when they walk out of the house, it's like... I want my child to come home. I don't care if they're 24. I don't care if they're 50. Be safe. And I worry because Mm -hmm. it's like, that's my kid. I can do nothing to protect them while they're not in my my presence. And so that's why we work to the bone while they are in the household to show a great example or to try to talk about those tough conversations like, hey, if someone does this, then this is what you need to do. Or don't put yourself in these kinds of situations because bad things can happen. And and we just try to teach them as best as we can. And when they go, I mean, Imani, like we say, Imani is 24, about to be 25. She still texts us yeah. and lets when us you know get to when where she you're even going, gets to work. When you get mm. to where you're going, yeah. text us and let you know you're okay. And if they don't text, then it's like, okay, we didn't get a text. We'll give them a few more minutes. Now we're calling, hey, where are you? Are you okay? I feel that sometimes that that may still be a little overbearing, but it's just the parent in me that's like, something could happen to my kid when they leave the house and there's nothing that I could I could do about it. So it's scary. And we just have to just trust that, like, like Shannon said, God loves them more than, than we do. All we can do is just hope and pray that they're going to make it back. And it's funny too, because at night I do bedtime with, with Addison and Tatum. And that's one of their pr- consistent prayers of Addison and Tatum. Whoever prays, if anybody is out of the house, yeah, their prayer is, and, and Lord, let them make it home safely. One night Tatum said, the other night Tatum prayed and she said, and she's in the middle of her prayer and she was like, wait a minute, is Monty home or is she still at work? And we're like, oh, she's at work. And Lord, let Monty make it home safely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like, again, talking about balance, we have to, it's just like football in practice. Monday through Thursdays were practice. The coaches gave us everything they had 
Monday through Thursday. And then on Friday, you have to just turn them loose and say, I taught you all I can. Mm. I'm just asking you to stay within those guidelines. And sometimes we make mistakes on the football field and did something we know the coach told us don't do. And they do it anyway. So it's a scary thing. And I don't think that that fear, well, for me, the fear never goes away that something could happen to my child. But I just have to trust that I did well enough in parenting them that they'll make good decisions. And even with that, something can still happen. Yeah. I, for me, it's just like, it's a safety thing. Like Atlas said, our oldest daughter, like even when she gets to work, she'll just text us. It started out in the beginning. It was like a rule. Like we need you to do this. But now, like she even says, like, I know how old I am. Like it's a habit. Well, it's a good habit. You know, Atlas and I do that for each other. Yeah, I know I'm grown, you know, and I can drive this car and go where I want to go. But a common courtesy that we always give each other, even if we're going out with friends, with other groups of people, you know, hey, I just want to let you know I made it here, okay? Because honestly, that, like that's, I tell my girls, that's my paper trail. Like if something ever does happen, I need to be able to say I know where you were. So if you're going there, that's where I need you to go, you know? I go maybe a little overboard and I will get up out of the bed just to look at what they have on. I never want to identify my kid's body ever. Mm-hmm. Or I never want to have to say, you know, hey, they didn't come home. And then I freak and say, what was the last thing they had on? I don't even know because I didn't even say goodbye to them. I never want to be too busy to not make sure that that they're safe. So I think for us, especially with it being girls, it's it's like a safety thing. Totally for me, it's it's a safety thing. And we have girls that come home really, really late you know, sometimes from their jobs. So I think it's something that we both implemented really early. Like we need to know where you are. And and something else that we do is we let them make choices within certain parameters. And it's based on age range and where they are of how we let those choices go. But say, for instance, Jordan, when this whole pandemic thing happened, we were just really thinking, hey, don't go anywhere. Don't be around anybody. And Jordan is like, I want to go to Belong. And as badly as we wanted her to stay in this bubble to make sure that she didn't bring anything home or or anyone got sick, when she mentioned it, it was like, Jordan, we really don't want you to go. We really feel like X, Y, and Z are the reasons why you should stick around here. But if you're just bent on going and you feel like that's going to make you better, then just be careful and, and let us know when you get there, et cetera, et cetera. Do keep the, the social distancing and it wasn't the decision that we wanted her to make. But we let her do it, yeah. And and we try to do that within certain bounds to say, hey, we don't agree with you, but if you are going to do it, then give us the courtesy of being safe. And she was asking to go to church, <laughs> right? Yeah. It was way worse. So yeah. at the end of the day, I'm like, really? Like, that's where she was asking to go. And it, and if there are some things that they do where we're like, hey, these are the potential consequences, we let them live with their their consequence. Mm-hmm. And when they come back and say, I shouldn't have done that, you said X, Y, and Z. I mean, I try not to go, I told you. That was a dumb decision in the first place. But I, I do say, that's why I tried to tell you. And you it wasn't be- I do that? No, 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 I'm just <laughs> saying. No, saying? I'm trying to say that I'm try- I am try to be conscious not to 
rub it in their face once they find out like, oh, that wasn't such a great decision. Yeah, I'm finding out I'm not the best parent here. That's what I'm <laughs> like, I told you. I just say, you know, one and one is two. Yeah. Why are you surprised? I mean, like, I told you don't run with those and now you got a cut on your knee and you yeah. want me to put a bandaid on it? No, I told you not to do it. Justine just looks at me like this, shaking her head and just like shaking disgusted with me. <laughs> but what we try to do is we have the conversation like after they go out and do something that we said, I wouldn't do that if I was you. When they come back, it's like, okay, yeah. This is why we said don't do that. Yeah. And we have a more in-depth conversation after the fact to say, yeah, we weren't just saying it to be strict parents or to, or to keep you from having fun. It's like we've been there before. Yes. And, and I can say that overall, our kids listen pretty well. They listen way better than I listen to For my sure. folks. Like one of the big things that I had was like debt. Like I wasn't taught about debt. And my big thing with them is, hey, don't start your life off in debt because it took away a lot of joy. Like when we first got married, we had nothing. Like We were literally barely making it month to month. And I was like, I don't want that for you. So my daughters, listen, they didn't go out and get a bunch of credit cards. They didn't charge up stuff. They didn't go and get a car loan. Like now our oldest three are all in college on scholarships, which I wasn't afforded that opportunity. And I just feel so good that, man. One thing that I tried to teach my daughters, like it's stuck and, and they listen and they're not racking up the debt and they'll have a better chance than I did. Like they can start off buying a home without the, all of this other debt and they'll have a better start. And I feel like if I didn't do anything else, that was one good thing that we did as parents is, is try to show them the value of money and a little bit of how money works. Don't get me wrong. I have a long way to go. and. I'm not the best coach because I'm not that money literate, but at least they have a better start than I did. And I, I would say that with, with everything, Imani getting married. Like we had Imani wedlock. I mean, she was a wedlock baby. Imani is engaged to get married without kids. Jordan hasn't, do even, it? <laughs> Jordan hasn't even really had a serious relationship. Trinity has never had a relationship. And so it's like they started off better than what we started off. They're listening like, You'll have time for that, but right now take care of your studies and, and get your life together. Like find out who you are. Mm -hmm. For me, that was like one of the biggest mistakes that I made. Shannon, I think, would always have been the person that I wanted to be married to. But when we met in high school, I didn't know who I was. You don't know that you yeah. change from six when you're 16 to when you're 25. You right, you were 16. You don't know, like, I'm going to be a completely different person when I hit my 20s. I'm thinking this is what life is going to be. And so those little lessons, teaching our girls, and they listen to those things, to me, is golden. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, don't want to touch that. No. <laughs> Any thoughts on that one, Shannon? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> we'll let Atlas deal with that later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed all that. I, I, I know coming from like a parent, and, and especially thinking like, man, as like, kids get older, like giving them freedom, I'm like such a control freak. Big time. If they're not in my sight, they're not safe mm. is how I am. But yeah. it is learning that balance, like you're saying, letting them go out there and make a mistake or just kind of learn, learn life, learn, learn how far or not how far they could go, but just learn on their own sometimes some things that they're just, you know, as much as we tell them, they're just not going to get it. Personally, this was my question for myself because mm. it's, it's so hard to let go. I've now let them go to where like, okay. If we're walking down the street, you could go ahead of me a little bit. Like, that's a big thing. But even once in a while, I'm like, hey, you're too far. Come back here. And the peer influence, too. Yeah. I mean, 
we're talking about what goes on in our home, but a huge factor is the peer influence that the girls have with their friends, you know, and other social circles, wherever those are. And it's tough because they want friends. They want to be liked by their friends. And so you you have that outside influence too. It's it's never easy. I just, I don't know, it's, it's never easy. I always remember my dad telling me something that I tell my girls when they would try to argue, but I don't do that. I don't talk like that. I don't dress like that. When You know, when I would pick them up and be like, so who is this that you're running with? You know, he would always say, my father would always say to me, you know, what I'm going to tell you is this. You never see like a puddle of mud. If you take a puddle of mud and you have a white glove, you don't put the glove in the mud and the mud gets glovey. The glove gets muddy. Mm. The negative is always going to rub off. I don't care how good you think you are. For whatever reason, it's just easy to be influenced by the negative. So you just got to watch the puddles that you that you dive into. And some of those muddy puddles, you just got to step over them. And you got to keep on going and not even look back because you don't belong there. So I've, I've tried to say that to my girls because girls are social butterflies. Some, not all, but a lot of our girls are social. So it's also the peer influence that we have to tell them. We're like, I don't care what everybody else is doing. This is what we're doing. And so what I have found over the years, which is actually a blessing, is sometimes our house becomes the hub. And for a while it would get on my nerves, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the noise. What's one more, two more, three more? Actually, after a certain number, it's just all right <laughs> loud. Yeah. Um, so it's okay for me, like, for this to be the place when that could be, you know. I know mm. right now that's not the case, but. It's okay if everybody wanted to come to our house because then at least we are around and we could hear and we could listen and we could look and we could see this crew of friends you have, like they're good. Or yeah, we may need to work and pray on this one. And that is what has happened over the years. And a lot of those friendships have turned into like extended family. That whole illustration that your father used about the mud and the gloves. Yeah. And that's so important because even now, like I think about myself as a kid and if I was able to have one of these holding up my phone, a smartphone. Right. If I had one of these when I was a teenager, right. Oh, I'd be in all kinds of crazy trouble. Like (laughs) the stuff I had to do with the the rotary phone that we had in our house to get into trouble, like and then keep everything a secret. Man, and I'm not gonna say any much more because sometimes my dad (laughs) listens and I'm out outing myself. But like it's so hard because even right. this, like this is something there that they could get in trouble with. And it, yeah, they're, they're just getting raised in a whole different, different world than what we kind of did. Definitely. That's, that's mm-hmm. there. But I like that point that, that, you know, just stay away from the puddles because the white mm-hmm. glove can't make the puddles white mm-hmm. can't clean it. It's going to just make it muddy. It's just going to dirty yeah. it up. Yeah. And I have to say that God is so good because we talked about how being a parent, you're not perfect. You make your mistakes. And out of all the flaws that we had, I can see the influence that our daughters have on their circle of friends. And when we have, we, we have conversations, we want, hey, what's going on with so-and-so? Or how is Josh's family doing? How is Sally Sue? We have those conversations because we want to know, hey, what's going on? Or if there's anything we can do to help or if we can be a positive influence. It's so rewarding to hear the conversation of, oh, yeah, so-and-so did this and they got in trouble. And boy, I would never do that. And And it's not because... Again, we're such tyrants, but we've set that standard and they, they abide by that. And I just thank God because it's it's not that we were just such great parents. It's just that we tried. 
we, we tried to teach those lessons and, and make it stick. And I think our parents did a really great job. I mean, they did the best with what they had, but it was great because I know like our kids, we, we often hear, right? They have such great manners or they have such an old soul. I think it's just because of what we impart on them. Like I am not going to be the parent that ever shows up to your house and drops my kid at the curb and keeps going. Or I will never tell my daughter, I'll text you when I get there and you can just walk up. No, I need to go and see who is Mr. and Mrs. such and such. Um, where's your house? What, what, <laughs> what color is it? Like, not that I'm being nosy, but I need to be, I need to be there. I need to be present. I, I want to be around. I want people to see that I care. I, I like that as well. I don't want you just to drop your kid off at my house and trust that they're going to be okay until 10, 11 o'clock at night when you come back and text, I'm out at the curb. That's not, that's not what we do. Like that's, that's not how we do. That's not how we roll as Atlas says. So I think we've tried to, I don't know, it takes a village, corral them all in and try to impart some of that. And a lot of times they teach us lessons too. A lot of our kids' friends, like they do things totally different in our house. And some of that actually sticks on us because it's not a bad idea, you know? It's okay to get your feet dirty. You know what I mean? It's okay to scream and do it, you know, things that maybe we're not like within our comfort zone. Like it's okay. We we learn from them as well as I think that we're able to plug mm-hmm. in. We're able to get something out of it too. It's kind of cool. Different strokes for different folks. It's not the same in every household. And I'm okay with that. I like that you brought up the being present. So I'm reading through First uh, Samuel, mm-hmm. and instantly I thought of Eli. And then it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, like, you know, you're representing my name. My name, mm-hmm. And yes. uh, I know one of the, his son's names was Phineas. I can't remember what the other one's name is, but they, they weren't doing what was right. Mm-hmm. And not only did, were they not doing what was right, but when, when God had talked to Samuel, he was like, the people know. <laughs> the, the people know that yeah. these dudes aren't doing what's right. Right. And Eli was doing nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And then when he did have a conversation with them, it was almost like, hey, stop. No, you know, like at least from what I interpret from how I read it, it didn't seem like he was like, you guys Lord need to knock it off. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and I think that does come from a, a spot of being kind of negligent mm-hmm. and not being mm-hmm. present. So I, I really did like that because being present ultimately is going to be what helps our kids as they go out, even on their own, because. If I think about it, I'm not going to do a certain thing because if I know Jesus is with me, even though I can't physically see him, mm-hmm. I- I've got to, I'm going to keep the standard of what God's called me to. Right. And as parents, as we can just, hey, my parents were always there. What would my parents think of me at this moment? Or what would I do at this moment? Or what would they say if I was here? That presence, it's so beneficial. For me, that's all, like the fear my dad put in me of doing something right. dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was like that corrects you, yeah. right? <laughs> I remember when I got my first speeding ticket or my first ticket, and I didn't want to go home. Uh-huh. I sat at, at church oh. with a mentor, and I was like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I, my dad's gonna Pray. destroy me, you know. And then when I went home, and I was like, I got a ticket. And he was like, Okay, pay for it, do the traffic school, and make sure it doesn't mess up your insurance. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like all this craziness. But it was that presence yeah. of yeah. of what he instilled there that. Made me fearful, but also like I need. I know I'm gonna have to talk to him. I, I like the point you were making about like Jesus's presence. I also think even when we're not there, our daughters. I think their 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 uh, frame of thought is even if my parents are not here, if they hear about this, right? <laughs> yeah, 
I hope what is going to happen. I, I listen to Tr- Trinity all the time. She just speaks her mind. Whatever is on her mind, she says. And she always says, boy, if we had done that, you guys would X, Y, and Z. When we're talking about what, what other kids are doing or other people are doing. Us. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go back a little bit. You, you were talking about still being that control freak. I want to make you feel normal because that's still the feeling that I have. Like, I want to control everything. We went out for a bike ride the other day, and, and Tatum is, she just got a bigger bike, and she's learning how to control it. And it's like, don't get close to the street. Stay mm-hmm. here. We need to see you. No, you ride in this order. So it's still there. It's just that in certain situations, we try to let go just a little bit more and a little bit more to to, to give them more and more rope like when they start driving, I remember when both Imani and Jordan, when they took their first mm. car ride, it was like, I wanted to be in that front seat so badly just to make sure, like, are you coming to a complete stop? Are you looking both ways? And it took a month or two of them driving independently before I can finally exhale. And I'm still uptight about it. Imani and Jordan leave the house. I'm like, please be careful. Mm-hmm. And I say that as a, a loving parent, but I'm also saying it like, don't get into an accident. Like I want to be in the driver's seat controlling because I know that I know how to, and, and it almost becomes this thing about, about me, but it's just that I want to have control. I want to make sure that when they make the left turn, they didn't miss C or they, they didn't see someone that's running the light or whatever the case is. And Imani got into two major accidents right on our corner. And it was like, it took everything that we had when she right. got ready to get in that car again to take off to be like, trusting and say all right be careful because her second accident her car was total oh wow and it's like just thank god that you're okay but i think we trust more i think you have to trust more it's like when your kid pulls out in that in that vehicle when they walk out that door to go to school i I don't know god is so good like i'll return him to you you know like i always have to just hear god's voice like in the middle of my panic and my worry it's like well shannon why are you gonna pray over these kids for their day, if as soon as the door opens, you know, for them to leave out of your car, you're going to start to worry. That's no way for you to like conduct the rest of your day. I Mm. got them, you know, I got them. So you have to kind of trust me that I'm going to return them back to you unharmed. And so I think, yeah, you, you do feel uptight, but then you do kind of like chill out a little bit because you just know it's like, God brought me through this. Like he's talking about our daughter. God, God brought her through that. If she gets in a little fender bender, that's not even going to ruffle her feathers. I mean, she was, she spun 360, like in her car, had a car seat, our daughter's car seat ejected from her backseat. She was on her way to go pick her up from preschool from us, you know, um, for her to pick up her sister. And that could have been way worse. So yeah, we're uptight. You're going to be uptight. It doesn't matter if they're riding a bike or riding a car, but I think we just learned to trust God more. Like he's going to return him to us. You know, he's going to reach, they're going to be okay. That's such a good point for it all is that as parents, there's only so much we could do, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. God has a great track record. There's only so much I could do as a parent. There's only so much I could instill in them. There's only so much we can instruct them. We can guide them to being like Christ. But at the end of the day, we just got to trust God. Yeah. Yeah, And and it's hard because you trust God with your most precious things. Right. But it's, I I read this in a book about a pastor whose son got, uh, had a seizure and they, they're driving to the, uh, to the hospital, but only one parent could go in the ambulance and he's following and he got lost. And so he's calling his wife and he doesn't know where, and he's just like, what happened? Like, and in that moment, he remembered the part of Philippians, um, 
rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And uh-huh. he, he just kind of brought that together to the point of God telling him, rejoice doesn't mean happy. It just means have joy in me. Mm-hmm. And if you have joy in me, then trust me. Because right. that child isn't even yours. It's mine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And right. you got to trust me that yeah. I love it. Like you said earlier, more than... More than you do. More than you do yeah. that I'm going to take care of him. And even if I don't and right. I pull it away, he was mine to begin with. So everything is on mm. loan to you. And, and he tied that all into joy. And it, it really did resonate with me. But then the control freak in me still kicks in there once in a while. Yeah, you're human. Because I'm human. <laughs> but it is a good thing to remember that if, if they're gods... Mm-hmm then God's going to take them. You know, for myself, like there's moments where my parents within the last 10 years looked at me and were just praying for me just to find my way back to having a relationship with God. Uh And I know my mom did it. Like I know she was praying for that as me and Justine were having these major issues. I was just not there mentally as far as having wanting a relationship with God. My mom was praying Mm -hmm. and all she could do is trust God that all the stuff that they taught me Come right. into my play. Way. That's yeah. right. That and, you'd make and, your way back. And, right. and it did. You know, thankfully, I'm one of those kids that it did and, and all that. But I, I like this. And unfortunately, as we could keep talking, we didn't even get to the last question, but we'll maybe <laughs> save that for another time. We went. All right. I think this is going to be our longest episode ever on the show. Oh, wow. Because uh, we're at almost an hour with this one plus the 30 minutes of that one. But I really enjoyed this. Uh, I really enjoyed having you guys here on the show and talking to you guys. And oh, thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank and you. It's way better than talking to Murdoch sometimes. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it in the beginning. I got it at the end. All but right. I, but I always have to throw, throw him under the bus a little bit for not being here. But thank you guys for being on the show. I'm going to do our sign out. And basically, it's me saying, I'm Chris. And then you guys can say your names. Okay. And then I'll end it. So I'm Chris. I'm Shannon. I'm Atlas. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. This is Read from YCF Kids News with another episode of Read on the Street to see what podcasts people are listening to. Excuse me, sir. Do you listen to podcasts? Yes, I do. In fact, I host my own podcast. You do? What's your podcast name? It's Your Church Friends. Where can they listen to your podcast? It's available on all your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Podbean. Also, if people want, they can come visit our website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. We have all our episodes up there for people to listen to. A link for our online shop with t-shirts, mugs, and other accessories if you feel like supporting us. Our latest YouTube videos where you can like, subscribe, and share our videos. And a link to join our Facebook group page to get all the latest updates on what's going on with our podcast. Well, thank you for your time. Oh, also you can listen to our podcast on our YouTube channel. And please buy a shirt if you can. Okay, that's Oh, buy a shirt. Buy a shirt. Yourchurchfriends.rocks because we rocks. Get out of here. Ugh. All right. For YCF Kids News, I'm Reed. And this was Reed on the Street.